praise the name of Jesus. This weekend, the women of worship had a wonderful time in the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Spirit of God was moving. And as I was, as I was praying earlier this week about the message and just really asking God for his direction, I decided that I've, I, well, not, not that I necessarily decided, I just felt, you know, the theme of the weekend is this prescription. Amen. Someone got a prescription, glory to God. I hope they got it and used it and filled it already. Amen, glory to God. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the title of the message this morning is Diagnosis and Prescription. Because obviously to give you a prescription, we got to know the diagnosis. We could go on ahead and say here's the prescription, but that may not fix your problem. But if we know what's wrong with you, amen, hallelujah, we can fix you up, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the word of God is clear on some wonderful things here. And as we read this portion of scripture, we're going to look at some diagnosis and prescription that is found directly in the scriptures. But it's not just about us. And, I, and just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. It's not a diagnosis for you. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Because this is, this is a bad diagnosis for you. It says now, the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. That's a bad diagnosis. You don't want that one. Amen. Glory to God. But we're going to talk about a diagnosis for some because it doesn't say everybody. It says that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. But we know this here, and it is that the heart of God and the will of God is that his church, that we, his people, represent him as light bearers in this dark world. Can I get an amen on that? We, and, and, and not just that we represent him, but that we do not allow the darkness of deception in our days to overwhelm the light of his revelation in and through us. Very important for us to realize this, that we are called to represent him. But you've got to realize that there is a spiritual battle that is going on every day, whether you realize it or not, whether you recognize it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you admit it or not, whether you feel it or not, it is going on. There is a battle that is going on. The enemy is doing his best. See, this is what you got to realize, and this is the, this is the fact, is that the end is already written. It's, it's a done deal. Say it's a done deal. The enemy knows what the end is. You know, he's, he's been around for a lot longer than you and I. He's there when the, when the scriptures were inspired. He was probably standing right next to John on the island of Patmos. Hello, somebody. While he was penning this and writing this stuff down in the book of Revelation, he got a clear understanding what the, de what, what the end is going to be. He, there's no question on that. But what he wants you to do, and he wants not, you know anybody else who does not know God, he wants them to think, hey, you know what? The end may not be like that. Hello. He wants to bring as much deception as possible because he knows that his end is destruction, his end is damnation, and he wants to take as many people with him as he can. And that is the battle that is going on. The enemy wants to deceive. That is the whole purpose that the enemy has is to be a deceiver. The Bible says that he is a liar. That is what he that there is no truth that comes out of him. If he says a truth, it's crooked, it's twisted. Hello. It's not truth that is going to bring deliverance. And so in this day and age that we live in, we got to realize that we're not just called to represent God, but we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And therefore, we cannot allow the darkness. We cannot allow the deception. We cannot allow the influences of this world to overwhelm our lives. We've got to be rooted in this word, and we're going to talk about that. We've got to be sound in what we believe and what we know is truth. In that way, when the darkness and the deception that has a similar or similarity of light it doesn't overwhelm our lives it doesn't draw us to it and away from the true light which is Jesus Christ 
This is what it's talking about when it is saying that in latter times, many or that some will leave. They will depart from the faith. They will depart from the true, full light of the gospel. And they will be deceived by seducing spirits, doctrines of... I don't know if you understand the intensity of the verbiage that the apostle is using here. But he is using some words that, that, that for me, if I don't know God, they're pretty scary. Because he's saying that there are seducing spirits. In other words, spirits that are out there to seduce you and draw you in. Spirits that are out there to call you and, and, and to just entice you. Come on over here. This, 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 this sounds almost like that. They're still talking about Jesus, just a different Jesus. They're they, they still singing songs just like you did while you were growing up. They're still doing all of that stuff. It seems this way. This is what the text is talking about. It's not just talking about something that's going to be out there. It's, it's going to be something that is in what we call the church. Hello. Hear me, church. We've got to be vigilant, and we've got to recognize that there is some urgency that should be going on inside of our hearts because as representatives, we have got to be out there representing him and not allowing anything to deter us or to pull us away from the true light and the full revelation of who God is because that's the only way we're going to be able to represent him. In order to be the most effective in representing him, we must be a people who are truly living as Christians, not religious folks. Truly living as Christians, not religious folks, not people who want folks to see us, not people who want to impress people, not people who are trying to get folks to say how good we are. Not, no, 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 no. People who are truly living as Christians. That means that we are a people who, number one, have been awakened by the Almighty God. Are you awake today? Shake your neighbor. Say, you're awake today. Glory to God. Not just awake because you didn't get a good night. No, no, no. I'm talking about awake. Glory to God. Awake up. You know, awaken your spirit. You are awake by the almighty God you need to be a person who's not just awake who's not just saved but a person who is empowered by the spirit of God a person who's been filled with the power of God to do what to walk out there and wake some other folks up hello somebody we need to not just be awakened by the almighty God or filled with the power of the spirit of God but we also must be devoted passionately to making his name known for good during our days within this earth that's what it means to be a Christian, church. It is a person who has been awakened, who has been born again, who has new life moving in them, a person who has been empowered by the Spirit of God, and a person who is walking in that power, doing everything that they can under the power, by the inspiration and leadership of the Spirit of God to make the name of the Lord known within the earth in the days that we live. That's our responsibility. That we make his name known. That we make his praise be known. You don't have to walk around singing songs to sing his praise. Hello. You don't have to walk around singing it. No, no, you can sing his praise just by living an empowered life that is passionate about letting people know you're Jesus. Hello. I was looking on Facebook to a, a friend of mine. He's a, actually, you guys, you guys met him because he came here and he ministered. And his name is Tony Guasco. And he's the, the, the father of the, of the Guasco family who are going to Portugal. They just got released finally to go to Portugal to do their missionary work. And so, you know, we, we're, we're all on, on Facebook trying to be as intense for Jesus as we can. Hallelujah. And, you know, just, you know, putting stuff out there, challenging Christians, you know, calling people to faith if that's what happens. But the, 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 one of the posts that he put on there, he put on there, he said that the annual conversion ratio in the United States is about 85 to 1 annually. What that means is, 
For every 85 people in the United States, one person gets saved a year. Now, someone else commented and said, that's probably being very conservative. And in and, 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 and the, and the gravity of that number, they probably think that it's more like a 1,000 to 1, but I don't know about all of that right there. He got, he got the statistic from somewhere. I'm not going to ask him where. I trust that he didn't just make this up and pull it out of the air. Amen, somebody. The reality is this, is that we as a church, the body of Christ who read that, they will either respond with humility and urgency or they will respond with indifference and apathy. That's what will happen. We, we will either respond and say, man, 85 to 1. I mean, come on, man. We can do better than that. Amen, somebody? We can, we can impact the world a little bit better. Don't we serve the almighty God? Don't we serve the almighty king? Don't we serve the creator of all? Don't we serve the one who spoke and things just happened? Don't we serve the one that we just sang about, that he is just beyond everything, that no song can compare, no poem can compare to this God? That we, isn't that the one that we serve? That is the God that we serve. And with that God that we serve, we should be able to impact a lot more. It just depends. What are we going to do with this word that God has put in our hearts? What are we going to do with the scriptures that God has placed in us? What are we going to do with the spirit of God that is manifesting and wants to do some great and awesome things? Are we just going to sit back and just be complacent and be like, well, let somebody else do it? Or are we going to get on task, on target, say, okay, I'm in this thing. I'm not just, I'm, I'm not just a Christian because I want to be blessed. I'm a Christian because I want to change people's lives for eternity. I, I, I don't know. Listen, I, I just want to I just want to just do. I mean, do you really understand what dwells inside of you? Do you really I mean, do you really understand how your life has been changed for eternity? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about me, I mean, I know how I was. I know how I lived. I know how. And, and you know what? Forget the drugs. Forget all of that. No, I'm talking about the emptiness inside of me. I'm talking about what was going on I, I, because all of that other stuff, whatever. But inside of me, there was something that was lacking. I couldn't. I, listen, you know why I didn't want to come to Jesus? I didn't want to come to Jesus because I was going to have to leave everybody that I knew. And I was like, man, I can't do that because I didn't want to be alone because I needed that love. Right. And guess what? When I met him, I was like, y'all just stay wherever y'all want to stay. I want to be with him. Glory to God. Because there was no love like that love. There was no experience like that love. Listen, my mother loved me. My wife loves me. My daughter loves me me but there ain't nobody who can love me the way Jesus does there is no one who can fill that void that is inside of my heart no matter how good my marriage is no matter how great my children are or vice versa there is a void inside of humanity the book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men in other words there is an eternal vacuum inside of every soul walking on this earth and they are waiting to meet the eternal source of life the eternal source of love the eternal source of healing the eternal source of power and guess what you and I have been empowered with that eternal source to go out there and bring change to this world because we are called church to be those light bearers that's what it means. I mean, I mean, I mean you, you, you got to understand. God intervened in your life. He stepped into your life. This is so awesome. He stepped into your life wherever you were. He shook you like you ain't never been shook. Because if you met him, you were shook. Amen, somebody? See, I, you, you can tell who met Jesus and who didn't. Because the ones that met him, they amen. They wanted, okay. Anyway, he, he stepped into your life and shook you like no trial like no situation could shake you he shook you up and not a bad way it was like good and bad all at the same time because you got a revelation of how ugly you were how beautiful he was and how he wants to make you all right amen somebody and so it was an awesome glorious experience he stepped in and did something he he altered your eternal destination and you know what he says he said listen my son 
listen, my daughter, you need to allow, allow me to use you to step into some other folks' life, to shake their life like they've never been shook before and alter their eternal destination. That's what we're called to do. That's the reason why we should be passionate and thankful because of what he has done for us, because of how he has drawn us out of this dark, disgusting world that is so lost without him. But when you find him, everything changes. Hallelujah. Everything changes. Everything is transformed where? In his presence. And that's what he did for all of us. Mission-mindedness, church, is one of the clearest expressions of Christian living. Mission-mindedness. You have got to be mission-minded. A person who understands I'm not just here by coincidence. I'm not here to be a casual Christian. I am here with a purpose. I am here because God has placed me here with a purpose. It's not, and my purpose, listen now, my purpose is not tied into anything in this earth. Did you hear what I just said? My purpose is tied into eternity. That's the reality. Not to the things of this earth because there's some things that you will never have in this earth. And I encourage you, don't run after them. Do what the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 tells us, which is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. What does all things mean? All things mean, now if you read it in the context, as some people will say, all things just means everything. Hold on a second. Time out. Glory to God. Because in the context of the scripture, he didn't say every single thing you want. That isn't what he's talking about. He's talking about food and clothing. Hello, somebody. All things. Amen. I know, I know. Glory to God. Everyone's excited, but now you know good preaching, right? He's saying good preaching. Uh huh. For those of you here on Wednesdays, you know what he's talking about. Anyway, anyway. Here, here, is the, here is the reality, church. Seeking first his kingdom. That is the key. Seeking first his kingdom. Going after him and pursuing him. And everything that pertains to you, everything that belongs, everything that you need is going to be added. As a matter of fact, you ain't got to chase them. They'll chase you. Did you hear what I just said? You ain't got to run after them. They will chase you. They will be trying. Look, they, uh, provision is coming where? Because you're running after the provider. We got it backwards. We're like, come on, provider, take me to provision. Hold on a second. How about you run to the provider and let provision chase you wherever he is, provision is. Amen, somebody? And so the, the, the issue is we're trying to figure out provision when we, get to, we need to get to know the provider. This is what needs to happen. That's what added on. So you don't have, it's going to be added to you. But you know what? You got to be seeking him. 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 It's got to be about him. So how do we become mission-minded? How do we do this? Well, we got to take the first step. Say this, we must, we must take the first step towards mission-mindedness. So the first thing we talked about, or the first thing in the title of the message is diagnosis. So this is what we need to do. We need to get a biblical diagnosis of the condition of humanity that burdens our heart to the point of action. Let me say it again. We need to get a biblical diagnosis for the condition of humanity that burdens our hearts to the point of action. If you go to your doctor and your doctor takes a blood sample from you or does some type of check on you and something comes abnormal in your life, your doctor is not going to say, oh, we'll just put that in a file somewhere and we'll get to him next year when he comes in. Is that what your doctor's going to do? If he does, please change doctors. But I can guarantee you that at least 90% of doctors are not going to do that. When something comes back abnormal, there is something that arises in them and says, hold on a second, I need to get this person up in here and I need to let them know about this diagnosis so we can begin to deal with treatment. What happens? They see the diagnosis and they are moved to action. Church, it's got to be the the same way for us we need to see the diagnosis of this world we need to see the diagnosis of humanity and we need to be moved to action 
This is about being mission-minded, mission-minded, church. If we're going to be mission-minded, we have got to see. We cannot, listen, and, and I know that we all have issues. Say it with me. We all got issues. That's wonderful. We all have issues, and we know this. And, 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 and I want you to know that issues do not disqualify you, or should I say exempt you, from being mission-minded. I, I, I got to say that again. Issues do not exempt you from being mission-minded. In other words, you cannot get so caught up in your issues that you forget about the mission. Did you hear what I said? You cannot get so caught up in what you are going through. See, that's why I love the message on Friday. Gave you a prescription for you, so you go on ahead, take your whatever you got to take, move it on, glory to God, and get on the mission. Hello, somebody. Don't get caught up in your situation. Continue moving forward. Continue doing what God has called you to do. And so you got to get the diagnosis right. you got to see how the word. Now, I want you to realize something. God inspired his word with the intent of inspiring and equipping us for service, not to excite and educate us during service. I know you missed that, glory to God. I got some long quotes today, praise the Lord. God inspired his word. With the intent of inspiring and equipping us, not just to excite us during services. What, 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 what do you mean, Bishop? Okay, we come to service, and you know, we, 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 have, the, we have the grammar patrol in faith dome. Amen. Glory to God. I'm aware of this. Praise the Lord. I contribute to their cause every, you know, once in a while. Hallelujah. I know people were looking at mindedness thinking, is it going to be in the dictionary? I don't know. It may. Praise the Lord. We'll see what happens. But anyway. <laughs> But here's, here's the truth. We can put all of that to the side because what I hope, this is my hope and my prayer. My prayer is that people are hearing more than my grammar when they're hearing the preaching of the message. Because there's nothing wrong with being educated and there's nothing wrong with, you know, or, you know there's not an issue with communicating the truth in, you know, in, a, in, in an exquisite way. In a, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. But you know what the truth is? The truth of the matter is that there are some folks that they just come to church. They just want to be excited. They want to get educated. And they, again, I'm going to go back to what I said a few weeks ago. They just check off on the list. I heard the word, went to church, now I'm going home. Hold on a second. I want you, I, I want you to understand, there were people died for this right here. Did you hear what I just said? People gave their lives to be able to write this down, to be able to preserve this, so that way we could go on ahead and just take it lightly. No. Oh, God, above anything else, I, I want you to realize this. The word in God inspired or, 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 or divinely breathed in, what that word, what that word is, is theonustos. I've said this before. I love this word. This word is such an awesome, awesome word. Theonustos is a two-part word. It means God's breath. So look what he's saying. He's saying God took the time to breathe into people for what? So that way they could just write stuff down and we could just walk our lives like nothing? No. He breathed this into people so that way we could be empowered. See, because the breath of God is not cut off at the writer. Did you hear what I said? The breath of God, which empowers us to live this life, continues on throughout eternity. Why? Because it came from eternity, church. And so what does God do? God breathes his word into man. He breathes his word, inspires man, so that way we could come together as a people and we could get breathed into again so we can do what? So we can go out there and live according to the precepts. Can I tell you the issue? The issue is this, is that we have too many Christians who possess too much head knowledge and it has produced a callous Christianity rather than a contrite Christianity. 
Oh, I know everything Bishop is going to say. I've read those scriptures a couple of times. I've been through the Bible a few times. I've, I've done it all. I, I know. Wait, 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 wait a second. You should be. I, I love what we learned. When we, when we were younger, I remember Pastor Robert and I, we would talk about this, you know, when we were younger in the Lord, dealing with youth ministry and things like that. We would always talk about whenever you read the word of God, you never go into the word of God with the mindset, I've already read this and I know what it means, because then you will miss the inspiration of God that is upon it every time you sit down. In other words, don't go into the word of God like a know-it-all. Go into the word of God like an empty vessel saying, God, fill me afresh. Give me your revelation because I don't want to come away from your word the same way I came in. See, if I come in there already knowing everything, when I walk away, I leave the same way I came in. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. See, because I walk away having not gained anything. Nothing was added to my life because I was already full. And God says, all right, you fool, so you a fool. You don't need me. You know it all, right? You, 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 you got it all down, so what do you need me for? Hold on a second. And look, I ain't saying God is calling you a fool, okay? Don't get a fan. Get all sensitive on me. Hold on a second, y'all. What I'm saying is if you come to God like you're already full, then come on. You ain't, mm, you ain't that bright. Hello, somebody. God wants to fill your cup till it overflows. He wants to overflow your life. Not with knowledge, but with his revelation as a difference. And so we have here before us scriptures. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures because I want you to really grasp this biblical diagnosis for our days. Turn with me. Let's look here real quick. Let's look at verse 4. I don't want to go, go away from here. I want you to see what the scripture says right here. It says, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, now I want you to know we are living in latter times. Some will depart from the faith. And so what happens is some people that are in the church will depart from the faith. Now, obviously, you cannot depart from a place if you were never there. Did you hear me? You cannot depart. You're not departing. You were never there. If you, if you were never there, you didn't depart. You just never made it. Hello. Different. There's a difference. There's a difference. Oh, he, he didn't make it to my house. He left my house. There's a difference. Y'all heard me, right? Glory to God. Get, get, get that, right? Okay. So there are people... Who are going to depart, not from the church, look, look at the text, from the faith. There's a difference. They're going to depart from the faith. They are going to come into a place where they have faith in God. They believe the things that are preached about Jesus. They're going to come to that place. And then, after some time, they are going to depart from that. Because of what? There's a whole bunch of different reasons. But the fact of the matter is, they're going to depart from the faith. Why are they going to depart from the faith? Well, the optimal or, or, or the core reason is because they are going to give heed to deceiving or seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. This is it. Not saying that demons are teaching this per se. It is saying that there are going to be people who are going to be inspired by the wrong spirit. People who are going to read your Bible, my Bible, well, they ain't going to read my Bible, you know, not your Bible necessarily, but they're going to read the same Bible. Hello, somebody. That you and I are reading, and under the inspiration of a wrong spirit, they're going to get wrong revelation. They're going to get stuff that does not align with Scripture. Well, how do, you, how do you protect yourself from that? Real simple. Scripture interprets Scripture. This is a safeguard right here. Scripture interprets Scripture. If a person, if I, if anybody, whoever gets up on this pulpit, ever communicates something that is just crazy... And you're like, wait a second, that sounds kind of off. Look for it in the rest of Scripture. Walk it through the rest of Scripture. Because if it does that, you're all right. But if you can't walk this thing through Scripture, you need, you need a timeout. Hold on a second. That's not good teaching. 
That's not a good word. If I sit down and I look at one scripture and I get this old crazy revelation. Hold on a second. That, that, that's not revelation. That's demonic activity. Hear me. We have got to let the scriptures do what the scriptures do. God made it that way. Scripture doesn't contradict scripture, church. You don't, you, you, you don't, you, you don't have to mythicalize. I know that's a word going in there. I know mythicalize. That was just crazy right there. But anyway, it's just, it just goes along with the thought. It, it, <laughs> you, you, yeah, I got to use it again. You ain't got to mythicalize the scripture to make them harmonize. Hello, somebody. See, I'm just a rapper trying to rap. Glory to God. Mythicalize, harmonize. I know, right. Anyway, anyway. Okay. It's all right. I know that that doesn't disqualify that or exempt it from going in there. But anyway, listen. Glory to God. You don't have to do that with the scriptures to make them sing, to make them communicate what God is saying. You just got to get down and take the time to say, Lord, I'm empty. I need you to show me what your word is teaching. You need to be a student of the word of God. That's what you got to do in order to stay away from this. Because the scripture says that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now, here, now, now you, got, you got to pay attention to this because what he's saying is they're speaking lies and hypocrisy because they're pretending. They're, they're acting as though they're Christian, but they're speaking lies. They're acting like everything is okay, and they're lying. That's not the way they're living. They're not living that, that, that truth. They're not walking in this. They're pretending. They're going through going through the motions, acting like everything is okay, and they're going to do that. But look at what happens when you are a hypocrite. Beware if you're a hypocrite. Now, like I said, this may be a diagnosis for you, and if this is a diagnosis for you, please understand, God wants you to repent of your sin. God wants you to turn to him. He wants to restore you. He wants to raise you up. That's the beauty of our God. But speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. When you or I decide that we are going to continue to walk in hypocrisy, continue to play the game, to continue to play church instead of live the truth, what happens is slowly but surely our conscience becomes seared as with a hot iron so what is the picture here the picture is if you look at raw flesh and you take this hot iron and you go to this you know you're, you're, you're frying something and what you're doing is you continue to hit this thing that this part of your flesh and what ends up happening after a while now if someone plays a guitar or they play an instrument their hands become callous Pastor Lewis he plays the percussion over here his hands are hard you know if he were to slap you it would hurt very much glory to God because you know those are some hard hands from beating on that conga and the hard work that he does. But what happens is his hands become callous and what, and what occurs is his hands become insensitive. You become insensitive to the pain. So here's what happens. If I sit here and I play the percussion and I'm doing all of that slap and all that beautiful stuff he does, right, in a couple of moments, my hand's going to get real red, going to get, I'm gonna be like, all right, Pastor, go ahead and take it over. Glory to God. I probably sound bad anyway. But anyhow, what, what, what's, what's going to happen is I'm going to be in pain. He's not. Why? Because he's not sensitive to that hit anymore. So what happens? When the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, at first you move. You're like, oh, hold on a second. That's wrong. I shouldn't be living like this. I shouldn't be doing this. And you back up a little bit. But then you go ahead and you live the hypocritical life. And here's the, here it is. Checklist. I heard the word, but I'm not doing anything about it. I heard, I heard the truth, and I know God was speaking to me, but I'm not going to respond to it. I'm going to just live, and I'll respond to it next week. And you know what happens? Next week comes, you didn't respond to it. Let me tell you something, church. Don't wait until tomorrow to respond to the truth of God's word. You want to know why? Because the enemy, and not just the devil, your flesh is an expert as create, at, at creating excuses that will keep you from applying the word of God. 
So don't wait for next Monday to start praying. Hey, and don't, don't, don't wait for, don't, because you know, this is how we do it. We do it with our diets, glory to God. We do it with our prayer lives. We do it with our reading of the word. Well, when Monday comes, I'm going to start. The devil's a liar. And what happens? Next Friday, what are you saying? When Monday comes, I want to start again. Is that not what happens, church? I mean, let's be real about this. And if we're really honest, we do the same thing with our prayer time. We do the same thing with our word time. We do the same thing with doing the things that we're supposed to do. I'm going to wait till the next time. No, now is the time. The scripture says today's the day of salvation. That is, obviously, we're saved. But you know what? Our lives are continually growing in that sanctification process. And so today, so here's what happens. We hear the word. We read the word, whatever the case is. We go through the motion of it. And what happens is, at first, we were sensitive. Then all of a sudden, we find ourselves, whether it's months down the road, years down the road, and we find that we're hearing the word, and it's like going, it's like, it's like going off a duck's back. Hello, somebody. It's just coming. I heard it. Okay. Great. No, no effect. Listen, you're in a dangerous place when you're hearing the word of God and there was no effect. You're in a dangerous place when you're hearing the word of God and, 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 and what happens is instead of repenting, you start reasoning and you start justifying yourself. You're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. And that is what, is he, that is what the scripture is communicating. It's saying these people are going to speak lies and hypocrisy. And as they speak lies and hypocrisy, what is going to happen is their conscience is going to be seared as with a hot iron. So they are no longer going to be sensitive. And then what happens? Then they continue to, to preach this stuff. See, here's, here, here's what occurs. They're preaching the word, right? They're communicating these lies and these deceptions. And they are, they, they are just absolutely 100% positive that what they are saying is accurate they're they're, they're not making up stuff they believe what they're saying why because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron those lies those deceptions have continued and so what happens these people walk away from the faith and then we look at this and we'll just look at this really quickly here we don't have to get too deep into this in verse three it says they're going to do that and then what they're going to start saying is they're going to be forbidding to marry hmm and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So look at what the apostle is saying. Now, now, now I just want you to think real quick. I'm not going to say any names of any, 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 any religion. But I guarantee you right now you could think of some religions that forbid marriage. You can think of some religions that forbid you to eat certain types of food because they're unclean. You, you can think of those, right? And I want you to know something. These scriptures were written, were written well before any of those religions came to, came to be. Did you hear what I just said? They're powerful and prophetic. They were saying these people are going to communicate that by you abstaining from marriage, you're more holy. Did you hear what I'm saying? You not being married proves your holiness. You know why? Because in those times they had this Gnosticism. And what they believed was, now hear me now, they believed that everything that was material was evil. Everything that was material was evil. The spiritual was all that was good. So the intangible, the things you couldn't touch, that was all good. Run after that. But anything that you could touch, anything that was tangible, that's sin, that's evil, you don't want to partake. The devil is a liar, church. The Bible says marriage is honorable, hallelujah, among all, glory to God, in the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers will be judged. See, here's the issue. We shouldn't teach people not to get married. We should teach them to abstain from sex outside of marriage. 
Because that's the issue. God, cre- God, God created man and woman. So what? So they could enjoy each other. Hello, somebody. Bottom line. But there's some people who will communicate marriage. You want to be holy? Don't get married. We'll all be just unholy up in here. Most of us anyway, glory to God. I'll be the most unholy of all in this place if that was the case, glory to God. And then we go on to food. Now, I don't know about you, but did you read the book of, the book of Genesis chapter 1? This is what he's saying when he's talking about it is sanctified by the word of God. You read Genesis chapter 1 real well. Genesis chapter 1 is the whole story of creation. And I want you to notice something. God created everything during those six days. Seventh day he rested. What did he say about it all? It was all good. All. He didn't say, okay, this is not good. No, 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 no. It is all good. Everything he created is good. Bottom line. Now, if you're allergic to something, that makes it not good for you. Hello, somebody. Is that not true? If if you are allergic, you should not eat it because it is going to make you sick, so that makes it not good for you. There are certain things you should not eat a lot of because it's just not, you know, that good. Hello, somebody. But you know why it's not? You know know why this stuff is not good? I'm going to tell you why it's not good. It's not good because of the fall, not because of God's creation. That's what separated clean from unclean. So what do we have to understand here? What we got to understand is that these people are going to focus on minor stuff instead of the stuff that really matters, church. They're going to be caught up in things that are really not as significant as the real stuff, which is walking in a true devotion to Christ Jesus. This is what it says. Now, let's continue on with our, with, with our look at Scripture, getting this diagnosis so we know there are, some, there, there, there are some deceiving spirits. Turn over to the next book, 2 Timothy, please. And we're going to look at chapter 3, and we're going to read, all, we're going to read this whole chapter because it is just an awesome, awesome chapter. And it's a good thing that we can read this and we can look at this to get what God is trying to communicate. First, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, mind you, the apostle Paul is writing again to his son in the faith, communicating to him, and he's, and he's speaking to him about the church and talking to him what we need to know. So look at what he says here. Now, I just want you to, as we go through this list here in the beginning of this chapter, I want you to see if you see any of this prevalent in our days, because if you do, then that is a proper biblical diagnosis. But now, th- but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. You see anybody who's a lover of themselves? They will be lovers of money. You see anybody who's a lover of money? They will be boasters. And when it's talking about boasting, it's talking about people who are boasting falsely. They're talking about all this stuff they got when they ain't got nothing. Mm-hmm. So we know we got some of those. And then it says proud. People who are just prideful. They just, they, they, they know it all. They don't, listen, they don't need nothing. You, you see that in our days, right? Blasphemers, people who are not afraid to talk about God, people who are not afraid to curse God, people who are not afraid to just, I mean, just, just disrespectfully speak about God. That's what a blasphemer is. Disobedient to parents. Hello, somebody. Come on now. You know you see this stuff out here. It ain't, I, I mean, you hear, you hear the people of, and, and I, I'm going to say this, you, you, you see the, the, the people from, you know, older generations. They, they, when they see children acting up, they're like, what is wrong with them kids? I tell you what's wrong with them kids, their parents. But anyway, hear me now. Hear me now. It's not just their parents, but it is also the times that we live in. 
Because it's not just parents. When you got television communicating stuff, when you have, I mean, you sit there and, 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 you know, there's sometimes that we'll be watching a show and a kid will be getting, acting funny, you know, with their parents. And my wife and I are real quick to remind Alexis, let me just let you know, girl, you ever act like that and you know what's up. And I usually add in, you're going to get the beat down of your life. And I'll just let you know, glory to God, that that is what's going to happen. And it is the truth. I may not do it. My wife will do it, glory to God, but it's going to happen. I'm just kidding. Listen, disobedient to parents. Unthankful. You know any unthankful folks? Mm-hmm. Unholy. In other words, they're not separated from nothing. They just live how they want to live. Unloving. You know any unloving folks? Unforgiving. I know you know some of those too. Slanderers. What is a slanderer? Someone who is talking about you in a malicious and, and, and untrue manner. You know anybody like that? Just always talking. They just, blah. Mm-hmm. Without self-control. You know anybody who ain't got no self-control? Hello, somebody. Brutal. Just insensitive. Despisers of good. People can't even get excited about stuff that happens good. Traitors. Headstrong, just folks that they, 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 just, look, they just know. Hardy means that they are just puffed up. They, 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 they just got this smoke. It, it literally shows the picture of smoke. They're just, they're just enveloped in this smoke about themselves. Hello, somebody. I know you know someone like that, too. Huh. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we, see, do, do we see any of this stuff in our days? But can I tell you the scariest part is the next verse. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Did you hear that? He says that there's going to be people who are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And for some reason, they're still going to have a form of godliness. How on earth? Can someone who displays these things have any form of godliness? It is because our definition of godliness is less than God's definition. Church, we excuse things that God does not. We permit things that God does not. We, embrace, we, 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 we make excuses for things that God is saying repent of. That's the bottom line. And so what happens is, slowly but surely, as we continue to make excuses, as we continue to lower the standards of God, what we are doing is we are creating a form of godliness that is conformed to man, not conformed to God. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says, and from such, turn away. So if you see people who are living like this, after you've communicated to them in love, after, after you've shown them what the scriptures communicate, you don't need to be in a relationship with that person because that person is living a hypocritical life. That's what Paul says, not me. You don't walk and live in relationship, cool and hanging out with people, not people. Now hear me. When you're reaching to the lost, it's different. Paul says it clearly. I think it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. He says, what do I have to do with the world? Nothing. I'm not going to judge the world. I'm talking about those in the house who call themselves brethren, who call themselves sisters, who say they're Christians, but they're living this way. From those, turn away. Why do you turn away from them? 
You turn away from them not because you're being so super spiritual, but because if you continue to treat them like brothers and sisters, they will never repent and they will end up suffering for eternity in hell. Did you hear what I just said? It's not because God wants to be harsh. It's because God wants them to understand there is a difference between a Christian and what you are. I hope you're getting this, church. This is what God is communicating. He's not communicating just be nasty, be foul, be religious, be, you know, he's not saying that. He's saying turn away from them so that way they recognize they need to turn to God. So that way they can understand that they need to turn away from their sin. They need to turn away from their way of being. Having a form of godliness, verse 5, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. We'll continue reading. He says, for this, for this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs also was but you have carefully followed my doctrine manner of life purpose faith long-suffering love perseverance persecution afflictions which happened to me at Antioch at Iconium at Lystra what persecutions I endured and glory to God and out of them all the Lord delivered me yes and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution pause for a moment See, when you love yourself more than you love God, you don't want to hear that message right there. You don't want to hear what the Apostle Paul is saying, that this is not going to be easy breezy. You ain't just going to walk through this earth and everything's just going to be all right. No, you don't want to hear that truth. But you need to understand the beauty of this is that you are promised persecution. You are promised trials in this life. But the awesomeness is, is that God will deliver you of them all. It says it in the book of Psalms and it says it right here. The Apostle Paul confirms God will deliver you of them all hallelujah and deliverance doesn't always mean get you out of it it can mean get you through it mm-hmm because we we, we 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 always think deliverance means just get me out hold on a second what about pre- preserving me through this thing that's equal deliverance church verse 13 but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus in verse 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable to excite us to educate us and make us feel good about ourselves. No. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so we can have a big head. No. That the man of God, and this, that word man there can just be that the person of God. We just want to say the person of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped to sit down. No. For every good work. Church, this is the, 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 this is the diagnosis. 
But it doesn't stop there. Turn with me to 2 Peter, a few books over. I want you to get more than one or two scriptures on this. I want you to see what the scriptures teach. 2 Peter chapter 3. When you got to say so, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. He says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. Now pause for a moment because he's, he's again talking about these last days, latter times. He's saying there's something that is going to happen. And he's saying that scoffers or people that are mockers are going to come in these last days. People who are going to ridicule and ride you and say, man, what are you talking about? You waiting on what? What are you waiting on? And, and look, look, this, this is not me. But he says something that's very important. He says that they will walk according to their own lust. Because they're walking according to the dictates of their own heart. They're walking according to their own desires. Therefore, they're going to mock because they haven't seen this coming of the Lord. Therefore, they feel no fear of God. There's no reason to have a fear of God. There's no reason to worry about these things. There's no reason to live holy or righteous. In in verse 4, it says, in saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Oh, glory to God. He's patient with us. Patient with us. He's not, li- li- listen, Jesus hasn't forgotten that he's got to come back. Hear me. God, hasn't, God the Father hasn't forgotten he has to send his son. We forget. We get our minds messed up, and we allow our hearts not to be focused on the thing it's supposed to be. But he is long-suffering to us, what? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is his heart, church. He's saying this is the diagnosis. And we have one more scripture to go to before we close for the day. It's a couple of books over. It's the book of Jude. It's one chapter. The book right before the book of Revelation. I want you to see that it wasn't just the Apostle Paul who spoke of these last days. We've seen what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. We've seen now what the Apostle Peter is communicating. And now I want you to look at what Jude says. In verse 17, when you got to say so, it says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that you would be, that there would be mockers in the last day who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. They are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. Church, the diagnosis is not good. 
And the question is this. How do we receive these scriptures? Do we receive these scriptures and we just say, well, you know what, man? You know, I'm, I'm, whatever. See, here's the problem. The problem is that we have bought into this lie. And it is that this work is for preachers, for church leaders, and for the spiritual elite of the church. And the reason why I say we bought into this lie is because for some reason, we have allowed the enemy to draw this line in the sand. And, 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 I, and I, you know what? I don't want to offend anybody up here. My, my brothers and sisters know that I love them. But here's what happens. We allow them to draw the line in the sand. These are the reserve seats for the spiritual folks. These are the reserve seats for the ones that really have the power. And up here, that's reserved for those really highly spiritual people. But wait a second. Jesus did something amazing when he was on that cross. When he said, Father, it is finished. Unto you I commend my spirit. And he breathed his last. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says that the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And there was a symbolism there. And what was happening was in those days there was this veil. There was a line that was drawn. The high priest, they were the only ones that could go into the holy of holies. They were the only ones who could enter into that holy place and get revelation from God and offer these sacrifices to the Lord. But when Jesus died on that cross, you know what he did? He made the playing field level. And he said, you are all kings. You are all priests. You all have access to me. Full access. You don't have to go through anybody. You don't have to go through any person. You all have access to me. But with that access comes responsibility. See, because with that access to all of my glory, with that access to all of my power, with that access to all of my resources, the question is, are you going to leave it up to the spiritual elite, the ones who have the reserve seats, or are you going to realize, church, that all of us are in this together, that all of us have a reserve seat in the presence of God? That all of us have access to the power of the Spirit. But it is not for you. It is not for me alone. It is for this world to see His power. That's the diagnosis. Next week we'll talk about the prescription. Amen. Come on and stand to your feet. Hallelujah.